Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand this morning. Man, that song gets me every time. <laughs> That's rough. All right. Man, God's good, isn't he? Amen. Amen. All right. Well, um, if you have kids that haven't been dismissed already, they can go to the children's service. Uh, but we are glad that there's volunteers over there to take care of them and, and take care of the babies and all that. Be sure to thank them uh, before you leave today. All right, Eric, Pran, come on up here. Eric is our scripture reader this morning. Oh, I'm making a mess here. And it, yeah, yeah. And this is his lovely wife, Lisa. They're one of our newest members of Revolution. We're glad that they're here. Here you go, Eric. And it'll all be on the screen right there for you if that's easier for you or whatever. Eric, tell us real quick. We don't, not everybody knows you. What do you do for a living? Um, I'm an engineer. Yeah. Where do you, and where do you work at? I uh, work at the uh, Space Center. Cool. Good deal. Good deal. Should we expect to see you on a space flight anytime soon? Not anytime soon. <laughs> okay. People that I've trained. All right. Cool. Very cool. Very cool. Well, we are in Genesis chapter 27. You can follow along on the screen or in your Bible as Eric reads aloud for us. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. And he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and prepare for me delicious food such as I love, and bring it to me so that I may eat, and that my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, Bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. Therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare, them, uh, may prepare from them delicious food for your father such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. His mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son, and only obey my voice, and go, bring them to me. So he went and took them and brought them to his mother, and his mother prepared delicious food, such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And the skins of the young goat she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. And she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went to his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, have you found it so quickly, my son? He answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near, went near to Isaac his father, who felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him, because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. He said, Are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. Then he said, Bring it near me, that I may eat of my son's game, and bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. And his father Isaac, and his father, then his father Isaac said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. 
So he came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is the smell of the field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let the people serve you and the nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. And as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, Esau his brother came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, Let my father arise and eat some of his son's game, that you may bless me. And his father Isaac said to him, Who are you? He answered, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came, and I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out in an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully and has taken away your blessing. Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Stop there for me. All right, so I'm going to cut short. I meant to, so this is the word of the Lord. All right, thank you. We're not going to read the whole chapter at first, but I will cover the whole chapter. Okay, crazy story, huh? How many of you are hunters in this room? Anybody hunt? Okay, I, I've never been like really hunting, but this is a story about that. Um, who recognizes this guy here? Who is this? Tom Brady. Some of the, even, I even heard some of the women knew that. Okay, Tom Brady was involved in something, several scandals actually, but one of the most famous ones was called Deflate Gate. Deflate Gate. The New, England's, New England Patriots were taking on the uh, Indianapolis Colts, uh, Peyton Manning, so two great quarterbacks playing against each other, and it was below freezing. It was very, very cold up in New England during this playoff game, and the if you've ever played football, when the balls are out there in the cold for a long time, they become very hard to throw and hard to catch. And so uh, Tom Brady, whether he admits to it or not, <laughs> was fine because he had some of the, the, the ball boys deflate the footballs to make them easier to squeeze and easier to catch. And now someone, someone might say, well, big deal. That means both teams benefited from it. no. If you know anything about football, from high school level on, one team uses their own footballs, the other team uses their footballs. So when it, that's why you always see when there's a punt and there's change of possession, they throw out new footballs, then they bring those out and they put those down. So Tom Brady played with an easier to throw and easier to catch football, and the New England Patriots won the game. This was not the first time that the Patriots were accused of cheating. In fact, some people think that the name Patriots stands for pay all the refs in order to succeed. And so, uh, but there's a lot of things. So this, this became known as deflate gate. Well, there's a whole lot of cheating and lying going on in this story today. All four characters are doing wrong. None of them are doing what's right. They're all cheating. And so we're going to call this blessing gate. Blessing gate. There's a big scandal going on here in this situation. Now, let me give you some backstory, okay? Remember, Rebecca has twins, and this is not just your ordinary twins. She goes to the other ladies and says, hey, what's going on? This is not right. They are wrestling inside of me. It's not just like two babies kicking. It's like they're not getting along even inside my stomach. 
is this normal? And they're like, no. And she's like, Lord, if this is the way it's supposed to be, why is this happening to me? And these two sons would not get along, not only prenatally, but for the rest of their lives until late, much, much later. And so also in Jewish tradition, not necessarily Bible, but cultural tradition, the firstborn was, was, was practiced what was called primogenitor, which means that they got double of everything else that all the other siblings did so they could carry on the family business. And so they could take on, on the family responsibility when the dad passed away. And so it was a, a way of making the family name, business, and culture survive. But God said, the second born in this case is the one I'm going to favor. Well, Isaac didn't like that, and he's spending his life trying to fix this. In fact, Esau became his favorite. Anybody remember why he was his favorite? Pretty simple reason. Why, why was Esau his favorite? Because he was a hunter, and he liked to eat game. That's why he was his favorite. And so Rebecca said, well, I'm going to favor the other one. So you had two parents playing favorites. Not a good idea, right? And so, and then we have a situation where Esau comes in from hunting and he had no success. We don't know how many days he was out there, but he comes in from hunting and Isaac, his brother, I'm sorry, uh, Jacob, his brother is cooking stew. And he's like, hey, give me some of that stew. And he goes, well, sell me your birthright. You give me the, let's switch positions where I get more inheritance than you do. And he's like, oh, wow, what good is this? this birthright going to do me anyway if I'm going to die. He's exaggerating as if he's starving to death, which he wasn't. And so he trades his birthright for a bowl of stew. And of course, his parents obviously don't know about this, but it was a legal agreement. It was binding, or at least it should have been. So we're going to divide this story up into categories. First of all, you got game. That'd be the first part. Number two, rigging the game. Number three, it's game time. Number four, the big upset then a consolation game, maybe, and then the sore losers. So let's start here with, you got game? Isaac was old. He's 137 years old. That's, that's pretty old, right? But people at this time did live longer. And his eyes were dim. Maybe he has cataracts. Maybe he has something going on to where he can't, he can hardly see. He's not completely blind, but he's legally blind. And he, he's, he calls Esau his older son. Now Moses is telling the story, and Moses doesn't say his firstborn. Because the position of firstborn had what? Had been traded. So Moses says his older son, and said to him, my son. He said, here I am. He says, behold, I am old, and I don't know when I'm going to die. Now, I don't know if he's a hypochondriac or what. He'll live 43 more years. The Bible says he didn't die until he's 180, but he feels like he's about to die now. Maybe he's one of those people that goes on WebMD and says, yeah, that's me, and that's me, and that's me. And he just sees himself in everything and every kind of sickness. But here he thinks he's going to die, but he's really not. He says, now take your weapons, your quiver, your bow, and go out and hunt some game for me. Now watch how many times that me, myself, and I, watch how many times the me monster shows up here. He says, and prepare for who? Me, delicious food such as I love. He didn't say, you know, hey, go get your mom's favorite and bring it in here. No, no, do this for me. Bring it to me so that I may eat and that my soul may bless you before I die. He's being extremely self-centered in this situation. And he's acting just like Esau did when he traded his birthright. He's like, everything is about food in this situation. Be careful about your passions. <laughs> Some people are passionate about food. Some people are passionate about sex. Some people are passionate about power 
and success. And all those can be good things when in the right place. But when they become preeminent things, like absolutely necessary, must-have things, then they become an idol. And, he, and, and an idol really is taking any good thing and exalted above who? Above God. And that, that's what he's doing here. His passion for just a good meal right now is making all logic and all ethics just being thrown out the window. Our next thing about rigging the game. So the game is, there's going to be a blessing gate going on here. So Rebecca was listening, and the word here means eavesdropping. She, why is she not in on this conversation? I don't know, but she's eavesdropping. And Isaac, does that sound familiar? Remember Sarah eavesdropping with Abraham? So this problem runs in the family. And Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and to bring it, here's what she does. You see that this, she does some really bad things that mess up the family. And, and she's not the only one. All four people. This is a story about a dysfunctional family, but a fully functional God. And that's a great quote from Skip Heidzik. And he talks about basically these people are doing everything they can because they don't trust each other. Lying, scheming, cheating, and conniving is all going on between all four people. And yet God's will is going to be done in spite of them. God's going to show that he's sovereign even though man is sinful. So Rebecca says, hey, I heard your father speak to your brother. And watch the words here. We saw what Isaac said, right? Prepare for me delicious food, such as I love. Bring it to me. You see the words there. Now, compare it side by side to what Rebecca, how she quotes it. What do you see that's different there? He says that my soul may bless you, but when she quotes it, she says, bless you before the Lord. Isaac said nothing about the Lord. This was not a spiritual thing. This was him power tripping, and this had got nothing to do with it, but Rebecca goes and she plays the Jesus card. <laughs> she plays the God card, starts talking all religious and stuff. And we're going to do this, but it's going to be because God wants to bless you. And, you know, be really careful about that. Be careful about playing the God card. When you, you bring God into the conversation to make people feel guilty, to manipulate them, to get what you want. A lot of people do that. And, and, and this is really the true meaning of taking the Lord's name in vain. Taking the Lord's name is not just using God's name as a cuss word. It's invoking the name of God for selfish purposes, to appear to be religious, to appear to be righteous, to appear to be anything, to manipulate others. That's what it means to take the Lord's name in vain. And that's what she's doing here. So remember, also, there's two sides to every story. You've, you've been in a conflict before, right? And someone tells you, hey, they did this, and they did this, and they well, well, that's horrible. I can't believe they did that to you. And then... You hear the other person's story like, oh, well, now I know. This makes sense. Always remember that, that there's two sides to any story. Proverbs 18, 17 says, the one who states his case first seems right. Well, that makes sense. Man, I wish they hadn't done that. That's horrible. I could see why you're mad. Until the other comes and examines. And the word here means like cross-examines. Yeah, well, I said that because you said this. Oh, you left that part out. You know, remember that there's two sides of every story, and Isaac's hearing this whole story from whose perspective? Rebecca's only. She's not hearing this from dad or from Esau. He's just getting one side of the story here. So now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. What's funny here is we picture this Sunday school story as, and here's two teenage boys, and they're trying to do what their parents are telling them. These twins are 77 years old. They're 77 years old still living with their parents, Okay. 
Their mom literally is still picking out their clothes, as you see in this story. I mean, these guys are like millennials on steroids. I mean, they're just like not going to graduate. They're not going to go home. They're not going to do anything. Sorry if you're a millennial. I'm taking a jab at you there. Anyway, but she says, obey my voice. Let me ask you a question. A grown man's whose voice should he be obeying? God's voice. But he's still got the apron strings attached. Isaac and Esau... The dad and the, and the son are trying to undo God's plan. God said the younger son is the one that's going to rule. And they're like, nah, we're not accepting this. We are going to do, I'm going to bless him. I'm going to give, I'm going to bless him as if he's the firstborn. And we're, we're going to just ignore God's plan. But watch this. Rebecca and Jacob are trying to do God's plan, but they're trying to do it their way. She's trying to manipulate, lie, and deceive to get God. And see, both are really wrong, right? Isn't this the story of the prodigal son? Jesus has, tells the story of this son who runs away and says, I'm not doing your will. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to blow my inheritance on prostitutes and wild living. The other son stays home and does everything he's supposed to do, but his heart is not right. He's doing the father's will, but he's doing it his way. Be careful. We could be wrong on two accounts in that category. So she says, go to the flock and bring me two good young goats. So most likely, what is Esau hunting? Most, some translations say venison. Some translations say game. We don't know exactly what it was, but we know something that was gamey and wild tasting, right? But she doesn't have any of that around. She has goats, domesticated animals. Why would you think she's going to bring two? Anybody have a clue on why? Well, there, one good theory is... Um, and when I say two goats, I don't mean these two, okay? That's not the goats I'm talking about here. Uh, we're talking about quantity. A, a, a good-sized deer would be at least double the meat of a goat. So bring me two goats. So it, it looks like we built, we, when, we, when I cook this food and this meat, it looks like the size or the quantity of a deer. That's what she's trying to do. But what is God's reason? What's God's reason for doing this? Rebecca has no clue what's going on here. But let me ask you, some of you know your Bible well enough. Where else in the Bible do we talk about two goats? The sacrifices. In fact, every year, Israel would bring two goats in. They would sacrifice one right there for the sins of the whole country. And then, that would be the offering to God. Then they would lay their hand, the high priest would lay his hands on the head of the other goat. And what was this goat called? The scapegoat. You ever heard that word used? Someone gets fired. Well, we had to fire someone, so we made them the scapegoat. Comes from the Bible, like so many other phrases in our English vocabulary, comes from the Bible. The high priest would put his hands on the, the, this goat's head. He would confess his own sins. He would confess the sins of the nation. He'd be saying, God, you know, we've given into idolatry. We have been neglectful to the immigrant and the poor. We've neglected our widows. We have not worshipped you the way we should, and we ask God that you forgive us. Then they would take this goat on a leash, and they would lead it outside of town into the wilderness and let it go. What happens to a goat out in the wild? They lions, tigers, bears, oh my, right? This, this goat is going to get ripped apart for the sins of the nation. Does that sound familiar too? Who was our scapegoat? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Our, our sin was laid upon him, and he was sent outside the city to bear the sins of the whole world, and he was literally torn apart for you and for me. 
It's a beautiful picture. Rebecca has no idea what she's thinking. Oh, I just need two goats to make up the quantity here. But God is totally in control. Four sinners trying to rip the story apart. Sovereign God, totally in control. And he said, and you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you. Now, there is, there's two things going on here. He's already stolen the birthright, but there's also blessing. Those are two different things, okay? Sometimes they go together, and sometimes the child who has the birthright also gets the bigger blessing, but not always the case, okay? Remember, Jacob, he blessed all 12 of his sons. And you can, I put blessing in quotes because some of the blessings sound more like curses on them. So he had something to say on his deathbed to every one of his sons, and they heard that as in, my dad, is, God is giving him this blessing, that this is my future. And in, in many cases, this is what came true, the blessing upon them. We also see that Jacob, when, when Joseph brings his two sons who were half Egyptian, he brings the first one, the older one here at his right hand, and the younger one here on his left hand, and Jacob reaches out to bless them both, and guess what he does? He crosses his hands. And he blesses the younger one. So there's a, there can be a blessing for each son. And so don't, don't confuse the birthright with the blessing. Um, it goes on to say, but Jacob said to Rebekah's mother, behold, my brother Esau, he's a hairy man. Remember, he was that way from birth. He was born that way, all ruddy and red and hairy. And I am a smooth man. You know, he's going to tell the difference. Perhaps my father will feel me and it shall seem to be mocking him. It'll seem like I'm mocking him. You are mocking him. You're lying to him. You're tricking this old blind man with food, and you're putting on stuff on your skin to deceive him. It'll seem like you're mocking him. Does, does Jacob really understand the depth of his sin right here? No. And you know, many times we as believers, Gary included, we can be in the middle of our sin, and we really don't know how bad it is what we're doing. We just say, well, it's just a little gossip or it's just a little white lie or whatever. We, we try to minimize things as, and don't really see what is actually going on in reality. And his mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. Rebecca has bad theology here. Nobody can take your curse except for Jesus. Rebecca's got her own sin to deal with. How is she going to take someone else's sin upon her? Jesus is the one who was cursed for our, our iniquities. He's the one that, the Bible says, curses everyone who hangs on a tree. Jesus is the only one who's eligible to take our curse. Rebecca is trying to step into this situation and be her son's savior. Think about that. She sees that God's will is not going to happen, so we've got to help God out here. I will help you. I'm going to save you. And let me tell you something. As much as I want you to love your mom and dad, they cannot be your savior. You can't look to them for all your life's problems, all your economic woes, and everything like that. They can't solve all your problems. But I know someone who can, amen? Jesus Christ is the one meant to be your Savior, not your parents, not your husband, not your wife, not your government. Jesus is meant to be our Savior. So his mother prepared delicious food. She was evidently a good cook. Uh, Isaac knows his food, and somehow she makes goat taste like venison. So she must have went to the spice rack and found the gamey spice and sprinkled in there and massaged it in the meat or whatever. But she's evidently a good cook. And what's funny about that is why didn't he have her in this conversation and have her bring him good food or get, him get her involved? But again, there's dysfunctionality in the between the husband and wife is really obvious in the story. So remember, when we learned in weeks past, Esau represents your fleshly man, okay? The part of you that says, oh, go ahead and eat it and start your diet on Monday. You know, oh, I'll go to the gym another day. 
uh, I'll go ahead and swipe the credit card. I know we really can't afford it, but we'll pay for it later. That is your flesh speaking up, always wanting to do things you should not do. Anybody else struggle with that besides me? Okay, I know you do, right? So Isaac represents your spirit man. The part of you, because the Holy Spirit lives in you, if you're a believer, I'm talking to believers today, those who, who have been born again, they've trusted Christ as Savior. You have the Holy Spirit live inside of you. So there's part of you that says, this is what's right. This is following God. This is, and it's your guilty conscience telling you, don't do this, don't do that. So you have the flesh and the spirit inside of you wrestling, just like they were inside of uh, Rebecca, uh, um, I'll get my names all mixed up, before their mom. I was <laughs> inside, remember the twins are wrestling. Inside of you, you've got the spirit and the flesh wrestling. And you say, Gary, how long does that last? Will I read my Bible enough and go to church enough that where someday there won't be this war inside of me? No, not until you die or until Jesus comes again. And I'm looking forward to that day when there's no more battle going on inside of me. Paul describes it this way in the book of Romans. He said, the good that I want to do, I don't do it. And the evil thing I told myself I wouldn't do, I end up doing it. Anybody else relate to that? We all do that, right? We, we, we procrastinate, we're lazy, we think things we shouldn't, we say things we should not, the list goes on and on. So as I read these next verses, think about these two things battling inside, okay? So then Rebecca took the best clothes of Esau, the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house. Again, she's still dressing her boys, 77 years old. <laughs> and she put them on Jacob, her younger son. The flesh, the spirit. Watch what this means here. Um, as believers, we can not put on the best efforts of our flesh and try to please our father. You're saved. Why are you trying to do these old things, thinking, well, if I do this, God will answer my prayers. And if, I, if I'm good enough, maybe God will bless me. And if I give enough money to the church, maybe I'll get that job. Are you trying to negotiate with your God like he's a casino? Or are you trying to just know that he loves me the way I am? And I'm doing good not to gain his favor or negotiate with him, but I'm just going to do what's right because it's right, because I love my father. See, what she's trying to do is put the fleshly things on her son here. Galatians 5.16 says it better than I did. It says, but, say, <clears throat> but I say, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. It goes on to say, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. They're mutually at odds. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So if you, like me, are struggling with what to do and when to do what's right and how to get rid of that sin that you think everybody doesn't know about, it's, the answer is walk in the Spirit. Ask, invite the Holy Spirit of God to fill you, to walk in the Spirit, to follow in His footsteps, to be in the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit. And then if you do those things, then you will have, you will have victory over the flesh. <clears throat> so back to the story, it says, "...in the skins of the young goat she put on his hands." and a smooth part of his neck. So he knew that he would take his son by the hand, almost like in a handshake, reach in and hug him, get him in the back of the neck. She knows her husband pretty well. And so he'd feel a furry hand and a furry neck or a hairy, those body parts. So she's got the plan in place, and now it's game time. Pun intended. I want you to count with me how many times Isaac had a hunch that dad knew something was up. So he went into his father and he said, my father, and he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? Weird question there. Who are you, 
My son. So he knows it's one of his sons, but he doesn't know which one, or he's confused. And he said, I am Esau, your firstborn. Notice he didn't say, I'm Esau, the oldest. Okay, He's trying to tell a half-truth. He is the firstborn. He won that over a bowl of soup, right? So he's saying, something well, I'm the firstborn. I'm, I'm Esau, your firstborn. And he's trying to think, well, if it's half-true, I am actually the firstborn. Actually, let me go back here. Um, I have done as you have told me. Now, notice that word there? When he was stealing the birthright from Esau, what did he say? Now, give me your birthright now. Now. Twice in that passage, he said now. Here he is bossing his dad around again. Now, now sit down, dad. Sit up and, and, and eat your food here. And then you, so you can bless me. He's, he's a pushy guy here. And he said, well, how about that? Did you caught this so quickly? Man, you've only been gone two hours. How did you even get out there and shoot something that fast and get back here, you know? And he said, well, because the Lord, who's God? Your God. He's not even going to claim the name of God because he's not acting very godly, is he? He, he? And I also, I think also here, he's talking like Esau would have talked. I don't know if Esau's a believer yet or, or what he's doing, but Esau probably would have said, well, it's your God. And so he's talking like him. He, your God granted me success. Again, he's playing the Jesus card here, blaming it on God. Then Isaac said to him, please, please come near that I may feel you, my son. <clears throat> and again, you're counting with me, right? To know whether you are really my son or not. He said, I, I, I want to touch you. So Jacob went near to him and felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's, but the hands, they're the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him, which means he put his hands on him. He's about to start the whole blessing process here. <clears throat> and he said, are you really my son Esau? And he said, I, I, I am. Then he said, bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. The food wasn't part of the blessing. He's like, I want to eat first and then I'll bless you. And, and in fact, he made it a prerequisite of the blessing. Parents, don't do that to your kids. They'll say, well, if you do this, I'll love you. If you do this, I'll approve of you. You know, Love your kids no matter what. Love them through no matter what. Doesn't mean you have to love what they're doing, right? But you can say, I love you. That's why I hate what you're doing to yourself. <clears throat> um, but he made this conditional. If you, if you feed me, I'll bless you. So then his father said, come here and kiss me, my son. Which, again, in that culture, kissing on either cheek for men, especially father and son, was no big deal. So he came near, and he kissed him, and Isaac smelled the smell of his garments. Why is that? Because mommy dressed him, right? And so how many times indicated that Isaac thought something was wrong in the situation? How many were counting? Yeah, I, I, I got six. Six times, which is the number of man, okay, uh, which is not a coincidence here, he knew something was up. You ever had a situation where you ran in and you're like, something doesn't seem right? And sometimes you stopped and you're glad you did, and sometimes you didn't. I had, I'm embarrassed to say, but I had, I had one of those experiences recently. So Tammy and I switched to AT&T, got new phones, and they gave us credit for the phones, and they were supposed to mail us a package to mail in our old phones, and they never did. So I called them and said, hey, you never sent us the package. I said, oh, don't worry about it. You got the credit. I'm like, what do I do with the phones? And they said, sell them. So I called Apple to figure out how to unlocked the phone so I could sell them. So I did that. So I sold my phone for much less than Tammy's because my phone looked all cracked and banged up. Tammy's phone was in pristine condition. So I wanted to sell it for $185. 
So I've sold a lot of stuff on Facebook Marketplace. I've bought a lot of stuff on Facebook Marketplace. I'm always trying to be careful. I've gotten a lot of scammers. You know, hey, send me your Google code and I'll you know, email you the money or whatever. And I'm like, no, 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 scammer, whatever. So somebody contacted me from Katie wanting to buy the phone. And I'm like, okay. And they wanted to pay full price. I'm like, okay. And then like, I don't have a car. Can you deliver it to me? I'll pay you $20 for gas. I'm like, okay. So now the phone's up to more. So we drive out there to Katie and I meet the young guy and I give him the phone. And he's like trying to figure it out. He's make sure it's unlocked. He said, yeah, I'm going to stand there like this, like that. And we're talking for a long time as he's making sure everything works. I turn my back for a second to go get something. He takes off running. And he stole the phone. And in hindsight, Tammy and I were talking about, yeah, I probably should have known when this happened that that wasn't right and this happened. But, and there was even along the way, I even, at one point I said, Tammy, I don't think this meeting is going to happen today. I think he's a scammer. And then I said, well, let me check this. I said, and then he responded away. I'm like, no, I guess maybe he's not. Anyway. God has given us a brain. And sometimes there's signals that we know, something's not right here. Walk away. Walk away. You know, in my mind, I'm, the, I'm an optimist. I think the best about everybody. You know, I probably think Charles Manson would make a good church member. I don't know. I, I'm like a very optimistic in a lot of ways. And I just want to believe the best in people. And, uh, and sometimes, and, and husbands, you need to trust your wives on these things. Women's, you, you, God gave you something called women's intuition. And, and let me tell you something, it works a lot of times. It doesn't it work every time. Sometimes it's just paranoia, but we're not perfect. You know? But it does work a lot. And so this is a situation where we need to listen. We need to be aware. And let me tell you something. When you're, like, let's say you're buying a car, and you can just tell this, is, this guy's being pushy. This doesn't seem right. You need to get up and walk away. And there's all kinds of temp sexual temptation, temptation for drugs, alcohol, whatever. You name your temptation. There's times that the Holy Spirit of God is saying, would you slow down? Would you just stop and turn and walk away? And then everybody in this room that's over 30 could say, man, I wish I'd done that so many times in my life. Know when to walk away. But he says, see, the smell of my son, it's the smell of the field. And man, the Lord is blessed and you know, now we're blaming it on God and all the whole situation here. And he says, may God give you the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. This is all the blessing separate from the birthright. So he's prophesying over his son that all these things would become true. And let the people serve you. Nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers. Now, he only has one brother, but the word brother here means relatives. Okay, All the other men that are coming into to this family, may they all bow down to you. Now we know someday this prophecy will be fulfilled in Christ because what's going to come out of this seed, this godly line, will be Jesus our Messiah. And he's the one who fulfilled this completely, where all the nations of the world will bow down to him. He said, And may your mother's sons, this is a jab, I believe, at, at Rebecca, the one who didn't want to listen to me, the one's trying to manipulate this whole thing. You know, I didn't even bring her on the conversation. He said, You know, may her kids, her favorite, be cursed here, be everyone curses you and blesses you. Everyone who, I'm sorry, everyone, who, I'm not reading this right. Who, everyone who curses you, and, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. And of course, we know that promise holds true for even Israel today. Let me ask you a question, guys and girls who love sports. What, what would you say is the biggest upset in sports history? What would it be, Nathan? No, we do. We like, there's some Cowboy fans in here. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. 
San Francisco 49ers, the, the, the catch in the, yeah, way back when. All right. Um, man, when polled and asked, what's the sports writers, what's the biggest sports upset? And some of you aren't old enough to remember, but I remember I was in a 11th grade. It was the miracle on ice. The U.S. hockey team was playing in the semifinals against the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union had all professional hockey players in there because they cheated. Back then, Olympics used to be amateurs only. We had all college students and not even the best college students playing against professional hockey players. And then and the USA won the game. And it was the biggest thing like, around the world because at that time, the Cold War was in full blow. Russians didn't like Americans. Americans didn't like Russia. We thought any minute we were going to drop nuclear bombs on each other. And this was like the biggest upset. But this, this story right here, we have an upset here. This is a big upset. The favorite, Isaac's favorite son, is about to lose everything. So Isaac, as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out, we're talking like these guys just missed each other. We're talking like probably minutes here. Scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, Esau, his brother, came from hunting. He also prepared delicious food. So mom had prepared it. Now he's prepared it. And his father said to him, well, who are you? He answered, well, I'm your son, your firstborn. He's still claiming that deal, even though he knows he traded away, but maybe dad doesn't know about the deal that took place out in the woods. And so then Isaac trembled very violently. And in Hebrew, it says he trembled with trembling. It's redundant there. He'd repeat, he, he was just shaking beyond belief here. Why? Why is he shaking? I, I was thinking about this. And I thought, well, you know, he's shaking because he's been tricked. But if you've been tricked, I think you're very mad. But here, I think he's very scared. I think he's scared because, and you know what? In all my best efforts to undo God's plan, God's winning. And I'm trying to mess with God, and it ain't working. I, I think you'll see he's more scared. He said, well, then who, who was it that hunted the game and brought it to me? And remember, uh, he, he even thought about the voice earlier. And he said, I ate it all. Yeah, of course you did. <laughs> You're all about the food, aren't you? He said, before you came, and I have blessed him. Yes, and indeed he shall be blessed. Now, I used to look at this and like, why, why wouldn't he just say, okay, you know what? I made a mistake, guys. Let's fix it. You know, I'm going to revoke my blessing on him, and I'll go ahead and give a blessing to you instead. Or I'll just give you both a blessing. I thought, I, for years up until this week, I thought, is he just that superstitious? Why can't he undo this? It's because he knows if he did, he'd be, undo, he'd be undoing God's will. That in his best efforts, he tried to bless the wrong son, and God, using the evil they had done, put the right guy in the place, and he's like, I'm not fighting God anymore. He said he's going to be blessed because that's what God wants. Not because I'm so superstitious, but because I can't fight God. Verse 34 says, And as soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out an exceedingly great and bitter cry. I don't even want to imitate it for you now, but you've heard people like at funerals scream out. This is what he does. He said to his he said, Father, bless me. Bless me, oh my Father. I mean, he is screaming out here. He is, he is beside himself with anxiety here. There's a great book I want to recommend to you called The Blessing. It's very old, but it's by Gary Smalley and John Trent. It talks about fathers, how your kids need to hear from you. I love you, son. I love you, daughter. You will always be special to me. You don't give the blessing based on what they've done, based on their grades, based on whether they're starting on varsity. You don't do it on any of that. You bless them because they're yours and God has given them to you. Your kids 
need to hear that. Not just once or twice, but throughout their lives, even as adults. I know adult men who are still trying to get the blessing of their dad, still trying to get their dad's approval. Well, maybe if I get my master's, dad will think I'm okay. Maybe if I start making six figures, dad will think I'm okay. Your sons and your daughters need to know that you love them. Good book to read there. But it says, man, your brother came deceitfully, and he has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? Remember when they were being born, Jacob had him by the heel. So they named him Heel Gripper. They thought it was kind of a fun name, but literally it means people who trip you up. People are always trying to sneak and conniving. And it says, for he has cheated me these two times. I, I, I kind of picture here Isaac going, two? Oh, did I say that out loud? <laughs> you know, oh, well, there was dad, there was this whole stew thing. And anyway, I don't know if that was what happened or not, but he's, this is the second time he's cheated him. Once out of the birthright, the second time out of the blessing. He took away my birthright. Behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Again, the two are distinct. Then he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? Remember, we saw that the, later Jacob will bless 12 sons. So there's, there's multiple blessings that can be passed out. But he's given everything to the firstborn because God has, and he can't undo what God has done. Isaac answered said, behold, I have made him Lord over you. There's nothing left to give, Lord over you and all your brothers. <clears throat> and with grain and wine, he said, what can I do for you? The answer is nothing. He's already given it all away because he was trying to fight God in the whole situation. Isaac is unwilling to do anything else because he realizes that God's plan has prevailed in spite of all his efforts. So Esau's thinking, well, maybe there's a consolation game. You know, you, let's say you don't make it to the championship. You get to play for the third place trophy. Maybe there's something else, but there's not there. He says, have you not but one blessing, my father? Bless me. You can just hear this guy begging. Oh, my father. And he said, and he lifted up his voice and he wept. Here's a grown 77-year-old man crying, crying, begging, pleading for just even a little blessing. And Isaac, his father, answered, said, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be. You know, here's the good land, here's the good real estate. You're living way over there in the desert. You'll be away from the dew of heaven on high. And by your sword you shall live. You're going to have to fight everywhere you go to survive. And you shall serve your brother. But when you, when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke off your neck. And you still see the struggles in the Middle East to this day because of this story right here. So we had the bring me some game, rigging in the game, game time, the big upset, no consolation game. And now we bring it to the last point here, the sore losers. There's more than one. So now Esau hated Jacob. Now, he could have said, you know what? I'm the idiot. I'm the one that sold the birthright. And I'm the one that's been fighting God the whole time. Maybe I should just repent. Certainly he knew the story of Cain and Abel. Remember Cain's offering wasn't accepted and he just pouting, he's mad the whole time. And God comes directly and talks to Cain and says, hey man, if you do what's right, is it all going to be good? And he gave him multiple chances to make it right. And Cain would not. And what did Cain do to Abel? He killed him. He became so incensed with anger and unwilling to repent that he committed murder. An unrepentant hard heart will get you in lots of trouble. The days of the morning of my, for my father are approaching. And as soon as my dad dies, he's, he's a dead man. I am going to kill him. And he's going to fall right in the path of Cain. But the words of Esau, her older brother, were told to Rebekah. So before Rebekah 
is eavesdropping. Now she's hearing the gossip, and so the word gets back to her. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger, and said to him, Behold, your brother, he saw, he comforts himself. This is how he's rationalizing. Here's how he's dealing with this psychologically. The only reason he wants to live right now is because he knows someday he's going to kill you. That's what's going on right here. That, that's what makes him feel better is that he's going to kill you. That's a really warped, psychotic, sociopathic mentality there. He said, now, therefore, obey my voice. Um, trick me once, shame on thee. Trick me twice, shame on me. <laughs> this is where he said, no, 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 mom, hold on. You, you just told me to obey your voice earlier, and this whole thing messed up. Now you're telling me to listen to you again? Well, he will, because he's a mama's boy, evidently. So rise, flee. So instead of dealing with the problem, he's going to run from the problem. You need to go to my, my relative, my brother, uncle, brother means relative here, in Haran, Laban, and stay with him a while. And she, in another translation, says stay with him a few days. It's going to be much longer than that. And so you, you need to stay there until your brother's fury, not God's fury, not the fact that God, you need to be concerned that your brother's mad at you, not that God's mad. You see the idolatry gone here? Wait till his, your brother just cools off until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets it. doesn't mean literally forget. It's like when someone says something, you think, oh, forget about it. They mean, let's not worry about it. <clears throat> and, that's, and she's hoping he'll, he will cool off. And then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereft? And the word here literally can be translated miscarry. Why should I lose two sons in one day? Well, because you're the one messing with God's plan. <laughs> That's why. If you hadn't have done this, but so many times we blame things on God and we won't take responsibility. But the sad reality is Rebecca would never see Jacob again. She will die before he comes back. All because she's trying to protect her son. She did the worst thing for him. Parents, you can't overprotect your children. <laughs> There's a balance there. We struggle with it, don't we? We don't want to shelter them from everything, but we have to shelter from some things and striking that balance, and they want to be independent, and we want them not to be too, too much too soon. But let me tell you something. There comes a time where we do have to cut the apron strings and let them go. Let them be adults. Let them fail. Man, we hate that, but they need that sometimes. And, and Rebecca didn't know when to, to draw that line. Let me tell you that sin will take you farther than you plan to go, keep you longer than you plan to stay, and cost you more than you plan to pay. Rebecca's beloved son, her favorite, she was trying to do everything for him, and now she'll never see him again because of that. Let me tell you, some of us, some people in this room today, you might be dabbling in a sin. You might have a relationship going on that is not right. You may have a drug habit going on that you're thinking, oh, I got this under control. There may be unethical things you're doing at work. You name your sin, right? You need to cut it off now. You will, it will cost you way more than you planned. You may think you're in control, but God will see that you will not be mocked, that he will not be mocked. Then Rebecca said, I loathe my life. I don't even want to live. I hate my life. And, and now she's got a new story going on here. That's why the word then, we're changing here. Remember Esau, who did he marry? Two wives, both of them Hittites. And now all of a sudden, she's not happy with them. See, the story ended, began with he marries two Hittite women, and now it ends. See the chiastic structure there? And she's projecting her problems on them. She hates them even worse, and she's blaming everything on them. Her son is gone, but she hates her daughter-in-laws. So if Jacob, man, if he moves off and he marries some of those Hittite women, like Esau's wives, you know, what will good of my life be to me? I won't even want to live. Really? 
because you don't like your daughter-in-laws, you want to end it all? Do you think she's a little over-invested in these relationships? I see people that, that way all the time. I, I love Tammy. I love her with all my heart. But if she passed away, I would be sad, depressed, discouraged, but I would not be suicidal. And that's no slight to her. She would be the same way. It's because Jesus is more important than both of us. And when Jesus is number one in your life, you can lose anybody and it will hurt. But you still want to live on because you want to live for him. Man, if losing a job makes you want to kill yourself, your job is your God, not Jesus. If losing a girlfriend makes you want to end your life, your girlfriend's your God, not Jesus. Be careful that there's, there should be nothing in your life that is that high. For a a believer who loves Jesus, there should be no human relationship that, if lost, would make your life not worth living. And you can insert relationship, job, sports, anything you want to do into that blank right there. We believe the Bible is one unified message all pointing to Jesus and his gospel. So where's the gospel in this story? In this story, the younger brother goes to the father to steal a blessing, leaving his older brother cursed with no inheritance. But in the gospel, our elder brother Jesus, as Hebrews 2 refers to him, goes to his father not to steal a blessing, but to to receive a curse that was not his, leaving us, the younger brothers, to be blessed and inheriting everything. You see the gospel there? Isn't that beautiful? 2 Corinthians 5 says, For our sake God made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The great universal exchange, Jesus Christ who had done nothing wrong and everything right, suffered and died for people who had done nothing right and everything wrong. He traded places with us. He offers that salvation to you as a free gift for you to receive. But you know there's people who say, no, I'm good. Because here's the part of they don't want. To receive that gift, you accept his lordship as a gift, not just his salvation. You say, I give my life to you because you gave your life for me. And not everybody's ready to make that exchange. I'm thankful that when I was nine years old, I heard the gospel. And even at nine years old, not being, I mean, I, I wasn't a drug dealer or, or just got out of jail, but I knew I was a sinner. And I knew I needed a Savior. And I trusted Christ as my Lord and Savior. I gave my life to them. Have you made that decision? Romans 10 says, If you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that he died for your sins, he, on the third day he rose again, he's alive today. If you believe in that, you trust in that, you will be what? You'll be saved. Would you join me in prayer? Father in heaven, thank you so much for the gospel. And how we see it everywhere, even in this messed up story with four people fighting and deceiving and not trusting each other to try to get what they want. And yet the only one who got what they wanted was you because you are in control. Lord, help us to just totally believe that is true and not always wrestle to get what we want. And Father, I pray for those who are here this morning, maybe watching online, who have never been saved. They've never put their faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray today that you'd open their eyes and open their hearts so that they could receive the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus and that they would repent of their sin, give their life to you, and receive the eternal life that you offer as a free gift. 
No strings attached. Father, thank you so much for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. If you still have questions about the gospel, man, there's my cell phone number. Let's talk. I'd like to buy you lunch. Let's, let's help you get the information you need to understand the gospel. And if you did trust Christ your Savior, please let me know that as well. Um, we're gonna, Amanda, would you come help me with question and answer? Uh, we're going to have a question and answer session. There's my phone number again if you want to text those in. Let me ask you a question while Amanda's coming. Who do you know that would benefit from hearing messages like this we're teaching in Genesis? Um, would you pray for them and maybe invite them to join you next Sunday? So here again is the number if you want to text in uh, your questions. And it looks like I already have some that have come in. There you go, I think. Okay, how was Esau's blessing, said in quotes, how, how has Esau's blessing come true, and is there evidence of these even today? Yes. <clears throat> if you study the, the genealogy of Esau, it's basically all the Arab nations. And so the fight between Israel and all those Arab nations has been going on for thousands of years. Okay, it's, It all came from this story right here. So that would be the evidence that you look at Israel. Israel is the only democracy amongst dictatorships. Yes? Ishmael and Esau, both um, one lines to the other. So it's in the same line, right? But the Ishmaelites, no, it's not? No, Ishmael was the son of Abraham. Right. So, but, okay, so there's the Ishmaelites, and so um, there's Arabs and the other group. There's Edomites. Anyway, I don't, know, I don't know on that one. That's a good question. But I do know that they, two different separate groups of Arab nations came out of Ishmaelites and, and Esau, Okay. So, but, um, and then you follow the Bible history. Again, you can see the, that he does dwell farther away. He marries Hittite women and things like that. So he does come back to bury his father, as we know later. But anyway, good question. What other questions do we have? Can you explain, elaborate, how Isaac wanted to mess with God's plan? So Isaac um, wanted to maintain that Esau, his oldest, his favorite, would get the birth, with birthright but they'd already traded for it. And of course, they didn't have to trade for it because God said that he would do it. So they're trying to do God's will. Mom and favorite son are trying to do God's will by manipulating it. And they're trying to not do God's will, but God's will got done regardless of the four people scheming. So they were trying to, uh, one party's trying to rebel against God's will. Another one's trying to do it by the dece deceiving. They should have just trusted God that eventually this blessing would have come the right way and that dad would have got his heart right. It's just an FYI. The Buffalo Bills over Houston Oilers was the greatest upset ever with three exclamation points. That was the greatest comeback ever, but the Oilers were favored to win. So upset is when the team that's not supposed to win wins. The Oilers were favored to win that game, but it was the biggest choke in NFL history. So anyway, just to be literal there. Do we have time for more? Yeah, one more. Okay. Well, this is going to be a good one to end on. When and why did you become a pastor? Oh, wow. Cool. Um, so I got saved when I was nine, and then at uh, 15 years old, I was at summer camp, and the, the camp evangelist was challenging us to give our life to Christ for anything, you know, for pastor, missionary, or just to be a lawyer for Jesus or a plumber for Jesus, just do it all for Jesus. And I don't really know how to explain it other than um, I just felt like God impressed upon my heart to be a youth pastor and eventually a pastor. So I went forward. I prayed with some pastors. I went home and told my pastor about my decision. 
And he said, yeah, you need to go to Bible college and everything along the way. Uh, God just opened doors and green lights and confirmed that calling. And so I'm thankful for that calling. Um, I really couldn't imagine myself doing anything else. Um, so anyway, all right, let's stand and let's sing. And uh, again, be sure to be, uh, welcome our guests on the way out. We're so glad that y'all are here today.